Good morning, afternoon, evening, and welcome to the 8311 Cast, your premier Midwestern-based sports podcast, bringing you all things sports to your beautiful ears. Join your hosts, Kyle Mersch, Mike Ludwig, Ariane Berry, and Wyatt Teeter as we talk to you about the NFL, some college basketball, the NBA, the NHL, and of course, our signature segments, Mike Stupid Rules, and Write That Down Predictions, here on episode 174. Let's kick off this episode with some NFL draft facts because the NFL draft just happened. Arian, Kyle, I hear that you have some facts you'd like to share with all of our listeners. Yeah, I have a couple. Uh, the first one, kind of a fun thing. Uh, this is the second time in history that the first five picks of the NFL draft were all used on defensive players. The other time was in 1991. And there were nine quarterbacks drafted this year. Uh, a lot was made on the lack of quarterbacks drafted in those first few rounds. Obviously, this was not a super highly touted quarterback class. Um, the last time nine or fewer quarterbacks were drafted was uh, seven in 2015. And before that, you have to go all the way back to 1998. So historically low. It's only been once in the past 22, 24 years that that has happened. So interesting stuff there, especially in such a quarterback driven league. We'll have to see if the Quarterbacks who got taken in the first and third rounds, the only ones we really talked about, will actually manage to live up to anything or if it really was just kind of a dud draft class. Yeah, and, you know, that first overall quarterback being taken was Kenny Pickett. Uh, fun fact for him, he literally just gets to go to a different locker room in the same stadium uh, for his NFL career as with, since he plays for or played for Pittsburgh uh in college and now they actually play at Heinz Field um same field as the Pittsburgh Steelers so same same commute to work and uh to the games but just a different locker room so uh some other fun facts coming out of this draft or just interesting facts overall is that Georgia uh eclipsed the mark that LSU set in 20 and Ohio State set uh, back in 2004, when Georgia had 15 players selected um, in this draft, which is the most ever in the modern era. Um, everyone thought that LSU uh, getting 14 in Ohio State, having 14 in a draft was uh, maybe unsurmountable. Uh, but Georgia did that uh, this year. Another fun fact is that Kansas had more draft picks than the University of Texas. Kansas had one draft pick. It was a linebacker uh, picked, I believe, in the believe in the uh, third or the fourth round. Um, one of those two. It's escaping my mind right now. But Texas had zero. Uh, fun fact about Texas uh, related to this draft, um, part of it at least. So in Mac Brown's final year at the, as the head coach of Texas, it featured zero NFL draft picks. Charlie Strong's last year featured a loss to Kansas. And Tom Herman's last year features a defense that gave up 30 points uh, or 30 or more points following ha or after halftime uh, in the Red River rivalry game. Uh, in his first year, Steve Sarkeesian managed to do all of those. Uh, so great start for the new uh, Texas head coach. And we wish them all the best in the SEC. Uh, seems like it might be a little bit of a struggle for them. I don't think we actually wish them any best. In I know. The SEC. I think we actually just hope they suck and then we can laugh at them forever of thinking they're better than we are. That sounds about right. That was very sarcastic, by the way. So, so the NFL draft is now complete. Uh, there was 
a lot of trades uh, in this draft. One in particular uh, flew under the radar, and now looking back at it with some of the information that we learned as of uh, May 2nd, is that uh, the Arizona Cardinals traded on draft day for wide receiver Hollywood Brown from the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, Arizona received uh, Marquise Brown, and they got a third round draft pick. And the Baltimore Orioles got the first over, or a uh, first round draft pick um, in 2023, which they ended up trading to Buffalo uh, to get more draft picks out of it as well. The Baltimore Orioles did. I didn't know we Sorry. were trading football wide receivers for baseball draft picks. Well, I mean, you could trade Kyler Murray. You could trade Kyler Murray to a baseball team, but no, the Baltimore Ravens. Do Do you remember like six years ago that time when uh, Russell Wilson's baseball rights got traded? So for the, the Rangers drafted Russell Wilson for baseball, right? Which means even though he didn't come play, they still have his rights. And in a purely symbolic trade, they traded his rights to, like, the Mets or something. And it was just great because I could, you know, say that Russell Wilson got traded to New York. And everybody was like, what, what? And I was like, no, it's baseball rights. Anyway, sorry, I'm way off track. Arian, what happened today uh, in the NFL that now makes that trade for Marquise Brown uh, really helpful for the Arizona Cardinals? Yeah. um, Also, I... Lamar Jackson put out a couple of tweets after that trade that he was not happy that they traded him. Uh, but today we got some breaking news that wide receiver one for the Arizona Cardinals, DeAndre Hopkins, got suspended for six games for violating the league's PED policy. Yeah, I mean, the, the teams do learn this stuff before um, the general public. So my guess is the team did know about this when they make this trade. Um, they usually give them like a week and a half heads up at least before the public knows so so yes i assume they knew when they made this trade i i would hope they did but and obviously it fills a big need for them um they also lost christian kirk uh in the offseason um to free agency so arizona needed some help in the receiving core uh speaking of wide receiver ones and big news that happened in the past week aj brown who is the uh center of controversy of uh, contract negotiations and extensions. Is he going to hold out? What is he going to do? Um, he was traded uh, during the first round um, of this NFL draft. He was traded to Philadelphia from the Tennessee Titans. Uh, in return, Tennessee got the first overall or round one or first round draft pick from uh, the Philadelphia Eagles, which was pick number 18. They turned that into uh, the wide receiver out of Arkansas, Traylon Burks. And then they got a round three selection as well um, at the, from the Philadelphia Eagles. So uh, Philadelphia ended up turning around and giving A.J. Brown a four-year, $100, $100 million contract extension with $57 million guaranteed in a part of that deal. Uh, the Chiefs got very trade-happy with the, the Patriots uh, in this 2022 NFL draft. They traded up in the first round uh, to number 21 overall to get a cornerback out of Washington. And the uh, Buffalo Bills traded up um, to that pick number 23, which the Ravens got from Arizona. Uh, They turned that into Kair Elam out of Florida. And then Baltimore uh, turned their uh, picks from Buffalo into the center from uh, Iowa. 
I think, Tyler Lindbaum, Linderbaum, and they turned it into the first punter as well of the draft, Jordan Stout. So is that the second, second, no second punter out in this draft. I'm sorry. Uh, Jordan Stout is the punter out of Penn State. Um, That San Diego State punter actually didn't go until the fifth or sixth round, I think. So there are a couple other punters and uh, special teams guys, a couple place kickers picked in front of him as well. So he did he was not go. bombing kicks in college. 80-yard um, punts. It was insane. Yeah. He did have a tendency to just boot it out of the back of the end zone, though, instead of trying to do field position, which may have been part of why he didn't go as high as he could have gone, because it's just all power, no control. Yeah, but it's a lot easier to teach control than power, I would reckon. I don't that know. That is though. true. I'm not you a can. That's fair. Another thing that uh, I thought was kind of interesting out of this draft before we get into uh, some of the Iowa State stuff as well is, Mike, your Minnesota Vikings were pretty trade happy within their division as well. Yeah. So both people I've talked to, like general fans and the experts, were just all over on what they thought of the Vikings draft. Um, I had very, I had fans who I know who are generally very um, mild tempered who called the GM. um, Let's see. They called him an idiot. Um, What else did they call him? They called him clueless, uh, a joke of a GM, um, all about these two trades, specifically in the first round with the Lions and the second round with the Packers. Um, but then you had experts like um, the guy from NFL.com who gave him an A- minus for the draft, right? So, but you had other experts like from SI who gave him an F for the draft. Basically, it was a very polarizing draft for um, Vikings and Vikings fans. Um, really, you can't grade a draft um, based on you know the draft day. There's a lot that can play out. Um, Personally, I don't love the idea of trading within the division because you're helping your rivals, but also, yeah, I think you you helped your rivals a little too much personally, but I wouldn't go as far as to call, you know, it a disaster or anything like that. Like, you can't make any judgments about one draft. I mean, I think they got good players. Um, I do do wish... um, they wouldn't have probably the to me that trade with the Packers is the worst one. I think the Packers had a very bad first day of the draft, and then you bailed them out a little bit by letting them make that trade. Um, so I don't fault the one with the Lions very much because I think they still got one of the guys they wanted there, um, even trading down twenty spots. But yeah, that one with the Packers keeps it from being an A for me. And speaking of trades, uh, just a couple of trades that we had talked about or been tracking that did not happen. Uh, Baker, Debo, and Jimmy G are all still with their teams that they were at the end of last season. And we kind of expected them to maybe move on by then. So just kind of keep a tab on that. It'll be interesting to see how all those, you know, situations play out. We definitely don't expect Baker Mayfield to be on the Browns by the beginning of this year. He's just getting paid a little bit too much to actually be moved on draft day, according to reports. So just kind of watch those guys. It'll be interesting to see how that all ends up. Yeah. Then, of course, the other thing that is interesting to listeners of this podcast would be um, where our Cyclones ended up. Um, So 
um, I believe, you know, correct me if I'm wrong here, Ariane, there were four Cyclones that were drafted in this draft. Is that correct? That is correct, yeah. Yeah. So Brees Hall went to number 36 overall to the New York Jets, which is just outside the first round. For those of you counting at home, 36 is greater than 32. So that's not in the first round. So it does not break Iowa State's um, first round streak. But it is their highest draft pick in quite some time. Um, so we went to the Jets. Um, Owazurike, um, the uh, defensive end, went to Denver. I believe that was in, was that in the third round or the fourth round? I think it was the third, right? Um, trying to pull it up here. Yeah, it, was, it was uh, the- round four, pick 116. Four. Okay. And then in a pick much later than I thought, Charlie Kohler went to um, the Baltimore Ravens much later than I thought um, he was going to. I was kind of hoping uh, the twin or the twins. Wow! Now I'm putting NFL players on baseball teams. That yeah, baseball the, football um, combo. Yeah, that the Vikings would take him once we got into the fifth and sixth round. The Vikings were looking for tight end depth. I thought he would be a much better fit there than in Baltimore, but I think he'll do fine in Baltimore. And then to me, what was the most exciting part of the draft was that Brock Purdy did get drafted as Mister Irrelevant. The last pick in the NFL draft, Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant. That was pretty fun to see, I thought. So, Yeah, I love it. And, and his family was pretty pumped about it. I don't know if y'all saw the video um, of his family after seeing he got uh, drafted, but that was pretty fun to see. He's a good guy, so I wish him the best. Um, that was with San Francisco. Um, he probably gets cut by the end of training camp. That's what happens to a lot of these quarterbacks, but... We'll see. Maybe he rides on a practice squad somewhere. I would bet he can be a practice squad QB. As it stands right now, we have six undrafted free agents that are participating with teams as well. Uh, Mike Rose, Jake Hummel, Chase Allen, Andrew Mevis, Greg Eisworth II, and Derek Schweiger. So those guys are all at least competing or getting a chance to compete on a spot and play on the field. So good for them as well. Yeah. This was, this was, despite Hall not being a first-round pick like we thought he might be, I think this was an extremely good draft for um, the Cyclones. Like, four players drafted is a really good number um, for an Iowa State program. Um, Matt Campbell continues to put players, especially running backs, into the NFL, um, and that is good. That just bodes well in general. So you like to see that. I'll lead you uh, on his player profile right now, which is going to be much needed for this Iowa State team that uh, really relies on their guards to uh, be impactful uh, on the on the glass. So, and it's another ball or another guard who will be able to handle the ball a bit in the absence of Hunter. Uh, he has that experience playing, uh, having been played three years at St. Bonaventure already, uh, and St. Bonaventure has gone. Uh, to the NCAA tournament as well. So he does have a little bit of that experience under his belt, and it's going to be something that can help kind of bridge that gap for Iowa State uh, now that Hunter is gone. So with that commitment, ISU will still have two remaining open scholarships. Uh, That number two is assuming that Gabe Kalsher returns for another season. Uh, We have yet to have any uh, affirmation that he, on his intentions to stay or leave, so that is still up in the air. But look for Iowa State to try and fill one of those two uh, with the transfer big man and then possibly another uh, depth wing prospect for this team as well. So 
there is your college basketball uh, news for this week. Uh, yep. Yeah, that that's good. I do also look for them to add some size as well. Um, if we could add a, a high quality center or large uh, forward, actual, you know, inside out forward instead of an outside in forward, um, that would be good. Um, yeah, Iowa State's gonna Iowa State's gonna need some size uh, and some height, especially with uh, George Condit gone, and um, really just now relying on Jazz Coons and uh, Robert Jones for the most part um, on the inside. So look for them to to get some more size as well. Um, speaking of good news in the world of basketball, Arion, the second round has officially begun. Where are we at? How does it? How does? How is it shaping up right now? Speak for yourself. Speak for yourself if it's good news. I mean, if you're a Timberwolves fan, it's not really that good of news. Just saying. How you blow three double-digit leads in the fourth quarter? I don't get it. That's true. I mean, yes, I would call it a, probably a successful season for the Timberwolves, but you still got to be a little bit upset about the way it ended. I mean. I might be a little bit of a hot take since they lost, but I think the Timberwolves were the better team in that series, and they still lost four games to two. So I would say they were the better team for the majority of the series, uh, just not in the times where it actually mattered. Seemingly, yeah, they, they they led for like eighty percent of total minutes that series. Yeah, it was crazy, and you know you have to get four wins to win the series, and uh, in three of the games, uh, Memphis won. The Timberwolves had a double-digit lead, and they could not hold on to it. Double-digit uh, lead in the fourth quarter. Yeah, yeah, really bad. Um, hopefully they can get over that and figure out who who needs to have the ball in clutch time, who needs to be on it. Does Taylor, not Taylor Jenkins, uh, Chris Finch, does he need to figure out something different with his coaching? Like, Hopefully they can get it figured out next year. With their core, I don't see them not. Uh, it's hard to say I don't see them not making the playoffs because the West is just going to be a nightmare again next year, but they have a good chance as much as anybody. Um, on the not-so-good news side, pretty much every single... I'll just hit the matchups real quick because we got to talk a little bit of NHL too, so I don't want to be too long. Um, I'll just hit all the matchups, and I'll basically tell you who's injured for that series because we have a lot of injuries this postseason. Uh We'll start with Heat Sixers. That game is actually happening right now uh, while we're recording. Joel Embiid is out indefinitely with an orbital fracture and a concussion. Um, I know Kyle was talking earlier. They say maybe he'll be able to get back by game four or game five. But without Joel Embiid, I do not love their chances. Um, The Heat slaughtered Atlanta to get here, and the Sixers almost... There was a lot of talk of them choking a 3-0 lead. They did not. But they beat the Raptors to get there. Uh, you have Mavericks versus Suns. Booker just got back from an injury right at the end. The Mavericks managed to, what I assume will be, banish the jet, this Jazz team to non-existence. There's a lot of rumors coming out that uh, Rudy Gobert said, trade Donovan Mitchell or trade me, but we're not playing again. I think the best solution would be trade both of them and blow it up. Um, but look to see a lot of structural changes happening for the Jazz. And then the Suns. I'm blanking on who they played to get here. Somebody can help me out. I don't remember who the Suns beat <laughs> to get to the second round. The Pelicans. The Pelicans. Pelicans. Thank you. The Pelicans. Uh, a very scrappy Pelicans team. Uh, overperformed by a lot. And uh, 
look to see them do well when Zion comes back if he ever can stop eating or whatever his problem is at this point. Uh, Bucks versus Celtics. Chris Middleton is still out. Um, I've seen varying, varying reports of how long he will be out. Anything from maybe he could be in at the end of this round to two to three weeks, and he might not be back until the finals. Um, and Marcus Smart at the game they played last night just was out with like a quadriceps injury or something, something that may or may not keep him out for a couple games as well. But if everybody's healthy, Bucks Celtics is one of the most exciting series for me. These are two teams that play really hard defensively. Uh, definitely watch that. It should be fun. And then the last matchup is the Warriors versus the Grizzlies. Um, everybody seems to be pretty healthy. Uh, Draymond got kicked out yesterday of the game because he slapped Brandon Clark in the face and then grabbed him by the jersey and pulled him onto the ground. And for some reason, the public sentiment was, I don't know why that's a flagrant two. It should be a flagrant one. I think if you are going to grab a player by the jersey and yank him out of the air by his shoulder, uh, you should probably get kicked out, especially if it's after you just hit him in the face. His argument was I held him up so he didn't hit his head on the ground like, yeah, man, but you're the one who pulled him on the ground. If you didn't pull him on the ground, you wouldn't have had to hold him up. <laughs> but that'll be a fun one. I, as long as the Warriors stay healthy, no offense to the Grizzlies, but I don't see them coming through. They played half the game without Draymond and still won their first matchup. And the NBA MVP should be getting announced here shortly. Uh, I think the odds on favorite are still Nikola Jokic. A lot of people say they voted for him that I've heard. So definitely look out for that. Unfortunately, he did get out in the first round versus the Warriors. But just some quick fun facts for him. Uh, Nikola Jokic was the first player this year with 2,000 points, 1,000 rebounds, and 500 assists in a season. So that's impressive. He literally started his own club, if you will. And he also, these are a little gate. I don't, I don't love the catch numbers that we pick sometimes, but he was the first player to average 25 points, 13 rebounds, and seven assists in a season. More interestingly to me, he was the first person to lead his team in points, rebounds, assists, steals, blocks, and field goal percentage in one season since steals and blocks became an officially tracked stat in 1973-74. So, it's hard to argue against being the most valuable when you literally lead your team in everything. I will do it all, and I will do it all the best. So look out for that. I expect him to win. I wish Joel had had this season in a different season so he could win one too, but maybe he can get it uh, another time. Any questions from you guys? No, you covered everything I wanted to cover. I don't think you need to argue with Kyle and I about uh, picking Jokic as MVP. I'm on board. Yeah, I'm I'm. I'm fine with that selection. I mean, does Embiid have uh, does Embiid have a lot of great, um, I guess, ta- like talent? And did he have a great season? By all means, is he? He's definitely on his way to like an NBA first team, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, the M- the MVP has to go to Jokic. So. With the uh, NBA playoffs first round over, the NHL playoffs first round is beginning here on May 2nd. Um, I know we haven't talked much about the NFL um, on this podcast, but I wanted to um, at least go over the bracket um, so y'all know what's going on in the playoffs and um, just talk about um, what my thoughts are and give you... um, you all some some uh, opportunity to make some picks if you want as well. I don't know if any of you do, but 
Um, so first of all, in the Pacific Division, you've got the division winner Calgary Flames playing the first wild card Dallas Stars, and then you've got the Edmonton Oilers um, squaring off against the Los Angeles Kings in the two-three matchup. Also, um, in the Western Conference in the Central Division. You've got um, the one seed division winner, Colorado Avalanche, playing the second wild card, Nashville Predators. And then you've got the two seeded Minnesota Wild squaring off against the three seeded St. Louis Blues. Um, over in the Metropolitan Division in the Eastern Conference, um, in the Metropolitan Division, you have the one seed Carolina Hurricanes playing the first wildcard Boston Bruins and the two-seed New York Rangers against the three-seed Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, and then in the Atlantic Division, um, you've got the one-seed Florida Panthers against the second wildcard um, Washington Capitals um, and the two-seed Toronto Maple Leafs against the three-seed and two-time defending Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning. Um most of these series are going to be played um, with games essentially going back to uh, uh, game, off day, game, off day, etc. Um, these are all best of seven series. So these will go slightly faster than the NBA just because there are no off days, but um, these playoffs are still going to stretch um, a little bit. Um, as far as my thoughts, um, personally, I think the West is a better conference than the East. Um, some of the teams in the Western Conference um, beat up on some of even the good Eastern Conference teams. So I would give a slight preference to the West being um, better. Um, and in the Western Conference, I think the three best teams in the Western Conference are all in the um, Central Division. Um, the Avalanche, Blues, and Wild, I think, are all better than any team out of the, um, out of the Pacific Division. Um, so to me, I'm looking for the Stanley Cup champion to come out of um, that division. I think it's the best one in hockey. And Colorado was definitely the best team in that division. So I, I'm picking Colorado to win the whole thing. Um, that, that's my prediction. As much as I'd love to see it be Minnesota, I don't think they get it done. I've got Colorado. Does anybody else have questions or want to make predictions about the NHL playoffs? Predict the Blues because I grew up by St. Louis, but there is no no knowledge behind that. That's just a homer take. So we'll say Blues win it all. Why not? I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised. It's not a terrible pick. But as you explained, they have a, a very tough route to get there. They do, yes. I think their route is definitely the toughest um, in the NHL because they're going to have, as the three seed they won't have home ice advantage. Um, they don't against the Wild and won't against the Avalanche or Sudan. So definitely a tough path for the Blues. Hearing no other questions, we will move right along into our signature segments, starting with Mike's Stupid Rules. And um, this one is courtesy of Kyle. He wanted us to, um, or he wanted me to go over a play that happened in Friday's game between the Yankees and the Royals. Um, so essentially what happened there is um, Bobby Witt Jr., the rookie, um, got picked off second base. He left second base early, and um, the pitcher, Nectar Cortez, um, stepped off the 
the mound and eventually got um, wit in a rundown where he actually outran the fielder to third base um, and slid hard into third base. And the fielder chasing him ran into him and they both sort of ended up off the bag. And um, Bobby was called out. So Kyle wanted me to talk about um, what happens with um, when somebody is forced off the base um, and what the ruling is there. So I want to start with the definition of oversliding, right? Oversliding the base versus getting pushed. Um, so if you go to the definition of terms section of the rule book, you will see that overslide or oversliding is the act of an offensive player when his slide to a base, other than when advancing from home to first base, is with such momentum that he loses contact with the base. So essentially the judgment here is, is this was this an overslide or was he forced off the base? So according to the MLB umpire's manual, this is a judgment call for the umpire um, to say um, if he was pushed or forced off the base, which he was, there was contact while he was still on the base. So it's up to the umpire to judge if his regular slide would have forced him off the base anyway. So if in the judgment of the umpire, he would have overslid the base anyway, he is out even though there was contact. If the umpire judges that he would have been able to stay on the base, then um, if he is pushed off, he is still safe and um, it would remain at third base in this case. Um, watching it full speed, I actually tend to side with the umpire here. Um, Kyle, I know you don't want to hear it, but I think his momentum um, is going to carry him off of third base. I don't think he's going to be able to keep that um, that left hand with that big sliding mitt on the base. Um, I think his momentum is going to carry him off anyway. So that's where you get the call. The umpire ruled that he would have gone off anyway, even if he wasn't contacted. Does that make sense? It makes sense. I don't like it. Yeah, I can understand how you don't like it, but you can certainly see how the call was made, at least. Yeah, it, and it was enough to get Mike Matheny ejected, a guy who typically doesn't get thrown out of baseball games. Uh, he was pretty hot about that call, but it, in the end, it's a judgment call. I thought it was maybe a little bit closer to like 60-40 leaning towards, you know, he his momentum would have carried him off the bag. So did the umpire make the right decision in the end? Sure. But in the moment, it just didn't, it didn't feel right in the moment. Yeah, I can see, I mean, yeah, when you see that much contact, I can definitely see how Cause, you would. Because yeah. it wasn't, it wasn't just like him brushing his hand off the base. Oh, yeah, there like was a lot of contact. body weight, like pushed him off the base, you know? Yeah. There was a lot of contact there, for sure. Yeah, and rewatching it, when you first so, sent it to me, go. Kyle, that I was like, well, that's over sliding ridiculous. versus pushing somebody off the base. Sorry, Ian, what was that? No, you're fine. When Kyle first sent it to me, I was like, well, that's crazy. If you can do that, you can do anything you want, and you can always get the tag. But looking back at it after you explained it and kind of judging it, I can definitely see how you m might think he was going to slide off the base or overslide. I don't know. I still tend to lean towards giving it to the runner, but you know, I'm not an I'm not an umpire. The thought about it that I had, I guess, was yes, it looks like he might have overslid, but 
there was just so much like contact behind it that it just I don't know. It, even if he hadn't gone in with that hard of a slide, uh, I mean that much body weight would have pushed him off entirely. But yes. you know, you can For you sure. can look back on it and like what if everything about that play, but. Eh, it's not like it means that much in the grand scheme of things. It's one game out of 162, and the Royals are bad. So, Yeah, but it is an interesting play. That's an interesting rules question. So thank you for bringing that to our attention. Well, thank the Royals and the Yankees, I guess. Great fans. Great fans for the Yankees. <laughs> oh. um, so now we will move into our accountability session as we do. Um, I believe this is our... This is our fifth to last accountability session of the 2021-2022 Write That Down prediction season. So we are getting right down to it. People got to get some correct predictions on the board. Um, my uh, First off the board was a prediction for me. I predicted the Twins would be in first place at the end of April. I really just predicted this thinking back before the lockout was over that we weren't going to play any baseball in April. Um, but turns out we did, and the Twins somehow ended up in first place. They've been playing really good baseball. So for that, I get a ding, 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 ding. Ding, ding, ding. ding. Um, Josh predicted the Bucks would win their first round series against the Bulls, which they did. Did they win it in five, correct, Arion? So Josh gets a ding, 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 ding. Ding, 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 ding. Unfortunately, also predicted that Giannis would score 35 points in Game 5. He only got to 33. So he was really, really close, but not quite um, enough to get that. So for that, Josh gets a nah. Nah. That is it for our accountability session. So per usual this season, I will um, get us started with the next prediction. And I am going to predict that the Stanley Cup final is not played between two division winners so the division winners um as i went over are colorado calgary carolina and florida i am predicting that um those will not um two of those teams will not meet in the stanley cup finals how many teams what was that sorry how many teams are there total in the playoffs again 16 eight from each conference okay yeah, if, um, if you want to reference, 538 gives the Avalanche a 34% chance to make the finals, the Panthers 24, the Hurricanes 20, and the Flames 19. Okay. So essentially there's about a 50% chance um, that the um, one seed from, or the division winner from the West makes it, and about a 45% chance that a one seed from the East makes it. What do you think, Kyle? I'm struggling. I am as well. Um, I mean, percentage puts that a little under 25%, which is usually a double by percentage. I'll offer that. I was going to say double just out of default, I but I was as well. It's I, I'd be fine with that. Great. Double For, it is. You're, you're asking two people to rate this who have this most inept understanding of like, and the NHL right now, so yeah, and I could have used uh, that. I could have used that to try to steal extra bases off of you, but I decided to be nice. I can okay. confirm I've watched zero games so far this year, so I'll try to watch the playoffs. Same. Do everything from Josh this week. Is he still alive? Yeah, he is still alive. Um, he's keeping an eye on the NBA playoffs and how the Bucks are doing. 
and he is predicting that the Bucks will beat the Celtics in five. Oh. He's got Bucks in five. Well, the Bucks are already up one game. They are. Um, <clears throat> I would be so much the, more the likely to say sweep. I'd be much more likely to expect Bucks in six. Uh, let me yeah, see if I, I mean, can pull up the FBI or according, BPI rather. According to five thirty-eight, the Bucks are hardly favored to win at all. They're only given the a fifty-four percent chance to win this series. It's slow, so I would say probably a triple. I don't know that yeah, it's all the way to home run. That's what I was sort of thinking is triple. I'm good. I'm good with that. Triple sounds good to me. They won't let me look at the actual percentages on it. Even though I don't know anything about hockey, I'm going to say that the Wild will beat the Blues in four. So a sweep? I thought it was six. Uh, in that case, yes, best, a sweep. Best of seven, yeah. So oh. this would be this would be a sweep. So according to 538... Um, the Wild have a 60% chance to win both games one and two. Um, and then um, they have a 43% chance in games three and four. So that makes it, um, that makes it about a 20% chance to sweep, according, about 18, according to 538. I would tend to give this a triple. Triple, yeah. That that's what I was thinking, but I was waiting for you to confirm that with actual knowledge. Good with that. Especially considering the Blues beat the Wild um in the regular season series. So Triple it is. What do you got, Kyle? So sticking with that same series, um, I'm going to say that the Blues just win their first series. Um, according to five thirty eight, there is uh a forty four percent chance that they win, so it seems like a single to me. Sounds good. Oh, yeah. What about you? All right. My prediction is that Oliver Marmel, the current uh, skipper for the Cardinals, will finish with the best record of the three active current or former Cardinals skippers in the league, which is Oliver Marmel, Mike Matheny, and Tony LaRussa. So the Cardinals will finish with a the best record of the Cardinals, uh, Royals, and White Sox. Well, they're definitely going to finish better than the Royals. Um, the White Sox are struggling right now. So it really comes down to, do we think that the Cardinals are going to play better baseball than the White Sox? That's pretty much it, yeah. Yeah, so right now the White Sox are 9-13, and 13, and the Cardinals are 13-9. and nine, And just to throw them in there, the Royals are 7-14. and 14. Uh, To me, this seems like a single... Maybe a double. I could maybe be talked into a double. What were you hoping for this? I was thinking a double. I would at least say a double because you know. I mean, what were it's what a were their season? What were the over unders for records to start? Do we know that when projections? Um, I can the find them quick. Um, over unders. I'm sure the White Sox were probably pretty comparative to the Cardinals beforehand. Let's see. The Cardinals over under was set at 84 and a half and the White Sox over under was set at 91 and a half and the Royals again just to throw them in there was set at 74 and a half. I'd be willing to talk into a double if that's what you guys want to do. I think I go I say double. That kind of vibes with me as well. All right, we'll give you a double around. 
with a single two doubles and two triples. That concludes our Write That Down prediction segment, which means we're at the end of the episode. Thank you so much for listening to episode 174 of the 83 Lemon Cast. Appreciate you sticking around and checking out this episode. And make sure you check out our social media pages on Instagram and on Twitter at 8311cast. But until next week, signing off for the signing off for the 8311cast favorite hosts. Kyle Mersh. Mike Ladwig. Ariane Barry. And Wyatt Teeter. Talk to y'all again next week. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones. <laughs> Go Cyclones. <laughs>